welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are getting creative with our code and talking with our very, very special guest who's been on many episodes, Shirley Wu, who's here again to join us to talk about creative code. Shirley, can you give us brief introductions of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Hi, thank you so much for having me back here again. I pretty much like begged. Uh, <laughs> I was like, please, we can talk about anything. I just want to hang out with you. <laughs> my name is Shirley. Uh, my official title is that I've given myself is independent creator of data visualizations. Um, I work with uh, clients with their data to tell kind of like visual stories. Um, but for the last year, my goal has been to do more art and um, specifically to do more physical, maybe installation-based art. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, so that's why I was like, please have me back on. Maybe we can talk about art. Um, and my favorite happy hour beverage has not changed, and it is whiskey of the Japanese kind. Which we are drinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's also go around the table and give introductions of today's panelists. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. I'm Stacy London, a senior front-end engineer at Atlassian. And I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. Uh, I'm Augustus Yoon, software engineer at Twitch. And I'm Ryan Burgess, a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Color. 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 We almost forgot what that keyword was. It's all right. It's all right. It's, all right. it's early in the episode. Yeah. yeah. This is, you know it's going to be a good episode when we can't even remember the keyword. Uh, but yeah, if we say the word color from now on, we will all take a drink. All right. I thought, great way to start. What art forms do you like? So many. I mean, yeah, it's, that's, a that's, a, that's a tough question. Like, so much is art. Like, music, uh, visual art. A painting digital art like there's just various like kinds of uh sub genres within each of those and a lot a lot i i don't think that i could i feel like i would be if i lost like certain uh senses like vi like if i lost my vision if i lost my hearing it'd be very ups upset because there's so many art forms that that i really enjoy that are that come through those senses so music through my through hearing or visual like painting and seeing um, that kind of thing. So yeah, lots. Actually, on that point, um, so I grew up uh, like painting and doing art for like 14 years until I was in college. And so for most of my life, I only thought of art in a very not in like narrow sense of like visual art, especially like traditional fine art. Um, and I think it wasn't until a few years ago when I was um, in SF MoMA and they had that uh, and so that they had that kind of top floor with like sound sound yeah, yeah i went to that that was exhibit. really impressive that was brilliant um and that was when i realized like why people get so because like people get emotional over art and but like in like visual art but people get so emotional about music and sound and i didn't understand until i went to that exhibit and i realized it's because it literally moves you like it literally goes through you and the, like the sound waves moves through you and i thought that was really powerful and also uh recently um i've been really appreciating film and kind of like film cin cinematography and the storytelling as an art yeah you know what i'm gonna give a plug to stacy's pick from last uh episode is the anima um by tom york that film like it's 15 minutes of pure genius i mean amazing music but also it has those just visual 
just beauty. I, I don't even, it's hard to describe how amazing it is. So mm-hmm. I think of that as even just how Shirley was talking. I'm like, that came right to mind. Yeah. The cinematography is pretty amazing. Just everything about it, the even story. body movement yeah. as, as art, like moving through space. Yeah, like with totally. Your, with your body, like that in and of itself is art. I think for me, when I think of just maybe the visual aspects of art, I'm more leaning towards modern art. And then I've always been a huge fan of graffiti, street art, obviously tattoos. Nice. And then uh, <laughs> photography as well. For me, like, this is kind of related to what Shirley said about storytelling. Um, I have, like, a huge, like, appreciation for animation, not just in, like, animation of um, movies that are animated, like Pixar movies, but also, like, UX for animation, like, bringing, like, little subtle things to life. I think that is like an art form in and of itself, like to take something that's very static and give it like a little life and like stuff. Um, And also maybe another plug to Shirley's data visualization. I think it takes a lot of creativity to, oh, no, wait, that's not a keyword. (laughs) (laughs) You almost said color. I almost said color. Cheers. (laughs) Yeah, data visualization takes incredible amount of creativity to turn data, which if you just look at it face value, you might not really see anything, but there is a story like you, like people who do data visualization, like there's like, they can tell a story like with that data, which I think is like really, really fascinating. Yeah. I think when it stands on its own, if you just look at it, you're like, oh, this is really cool art. And then as further as you dig in, there's this layer of like, oh, there's a reason for this yep. look and feel. Yeah. Like eliciting an emotional response as, those, yeah. as opposed yeah. to like looking at a spreadsheet of data. You're like, Yep, what? those are That's numbers. That's art? That <laughs> <laughs> could be art. Yeah, you never know. Mars, what would you like to add for art? Oh, I don't know. I feel like um, I was kind of struggling when you first asked the question because I was like, what really, for me, art is something that elicits like a very emotional response. And I think hearing you guys talk about it, it's like there are exper- like forms that in- are very experiential. It's about the experience of being there and, you know, kind of taking it all in, like music, for example. And then there's stuff that's kind of like more static, like fine art. I mean, there's an experience there, but it's a little bit different. For me, I actually really, really enjoy architecture. And mm. that's not something thing that I really thought of as art for a long time and creative. so architecture and interior design and things that are about creating spaces uh, for people to either, you know, help them be creative, for example, like the surroundings around us, I don't think we realize have an effect on how we feel and what we do. Um, and sometimes depending on the building, it's just like at such a large scale too, that it can be like a very zenful moment. Um, I mean, you know, there's kind of all uh, spectrums of the scale from going some, something very cluttered to something very minimal but I think that's what's really cool in buildings and they're also they're a really great representation of their time you know you can't tear them down very easily um, and so it's really some of the architecture I've experienced is like one architect's like I want to do it this way and this is the only way and that's always really interesting to see their vision come to life and you know as they translate it from paper to you know, 3D, so. That is really cool. I was not surprised that you picked that either. <laughs> well, for context, both my parents were architects growing up, but I don't think I realized that it's like apparently in my genetic code at this point. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to make like really dumb joke about like, oh, that's why you're doing computer architecture now. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that actually, coding. That, it does actually transition into UX, like to, to Augustus's point, like we're architecting experiences, Architect- architecting in a different form of the verb, but we are making experiences and we're we're trying to elicit responses from our users, whether they be emotional or functional. And that's what's really interesting about 
UX design, I think. So talking leading into the code aspect of of art, which I think there is an art form in many ways around code. I'm curious, how would you define if art is generated by a computer? So that's a super interesting question Um, in the sense that I think the most straightforward answer is like computer generated art is when some part of that process of like creating something is like you had to write code for it or I feel like that's the simplest answer but I actually am thinking of like um I'm really bad at names so I can't remember the artist but the artists like of the 50s that um they drew things that were gorgeous because they looked like they were computer generated or machine generated but they did it by hand this is a little bit tangential and off topic um but like I think it's such an interesting kind of like loop like because um, there are now, I see friends um, that do generative art that are inspired by those artists that kind of did those uh, art pieces that look like computer generated, like, you know, they're like grids of like, like really, really straight lines and their grids or, um, or there are like certain patterns that look like you might have coded them, but they did them before computers were like a like a commonplace thing. Um, and I now have friends that are inspired by those artworks um, and trying to generate them digital or by computer. That's really cool. And I'm curious too. Is like makes me think. I like that you said code. That there's some form of code. But then as you were talking, I'm like, well, some of this could be done through Illustrator, Photoshop, and is that computer generated art? I actually would argue that like when I think of computer generated art, I think there's two things. There's like one, what Shirley said, which um, is like, I think computer assisted art, like it's, it's a creative Ooh, like idea that, that you Ooh. use digital tools to produce. And then I guess the most obvious thing for me that comes to mind when you say computer generated art is sort of like all this AI art that's been going, that's been happening yeah. now, like jet, like generating art, um, based on like previous examples, as opposed to, Hey, I have an idea. I need to use a computer to do this. Uh, like fractal art, for example, yeah. is not as computer generated, but it's more the, I- the idea behind what ends up being the art at the end is still comes from a human. I don't know. That's that's the separation in my mind. Um, whereas the AI generated the idea, the final idea is kind of comes from a computer in a sense. Yeah, I actually kind of made that distinction that Mar- Mars you mentioned. Like it's it's pretty interesting because when I think of computer generated art, I sometimes maybe it's because I work at Twitch now. I don't know. I think of how some games there's this concept of procedural generated levels. Um, so that's like kind of becoming a more popular thing. There is a game that kind of failed but it's okay it's kind of a meme now but like one big thing was it's a game called no man's sky and a huge selling point of it is you would navigate to these worlds and the worlds are totally procedurally generated Mm -hmm. so as you go through the world it just gets generated like that and it's like kind of it's dynamically generated by the ai or computer or whatever and it like helps because it's like you don't have to save like these pre-generated levels like they're just it's like a different experience for it would be for, like many many permutations like yes, it could be yes. I, I have i'm not qualified to like even <laughs> like, like i don't even know how it works but yeah so so that's what i think of but it's a very interesting interesting topic and i want to add that like games are art too the games are beautiful art pieces <laughs> um well the, the well done ones yes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the generated stuff is interesting i i think when i thought of that uh phrase it makes me think of i think what kind of a few of you have mentioned already where there's the human aspect of maybe you write some code or you write a function or you write even an algorithm to do something but maybe the generated part is like the unexpected 
piece mm. of it. Like I like that. You wrote the code intentionally and it and output a visual design, but maybe there's like the unintended consequence of like a bug you wrote, but it turned out beautiful. <laughs> so I actually make a distinction between generative art and data-driven art in the sense that in my mind, um, I like I know of a lot of um, people that call themselves generative artists in that they've their art is driven by randomness. Or by yes, noise. Yeah. Um, and so that part is the kind of like the serendipity of whatever the machine gives you. Um, whereas like data-driven art is is kind of, I, I do more data-driven art and that's like you, you get a data set and you like, you know, map certain parameters to certain like aesthetics. And I'm going to say color right now because we haven't <laughs> actually like. <Cheers. Cheers. laughs> I just realized from this conversation that I have a very narrow definition of computer-generated art because in my head, it's just the generative art that has the randomness. But I actually wanted to ask a question because I think there was a few months ago where there was an auction and it was uh and it was the f- first piece of art that got sold that was generated by Was it a deep learning algorithm? Yeah. It was a hundred percent AI driven that like somebody had um taken the open source code and then they had generated this thing completely um and then it sold for like what a quarter million or something four hundred thirty two thousand and five hundred dollars you know that meme do you know that meme like do not want and it's like like, going back in the chair that's what i just did when i saw it so i just looked it up and my first reaction was that is terrifying and it's like something out of my dream my nightmares but it sold for that much because yeah because it was the first piece like it's the first ever like non-human non-human art that um got put for auction and i just wanted to like ask about your opinions of like does that qualify as art for you because i have a certain opinion i I think it does in the sense especially when we got back to the defining computer generated art is i mean someone had to program it so the whole point of ai is it starts to take mind of its own i guess in in a sense but it i would think it's art it's generated from it and then going back to your point of the randomization side of things i think that to me has always stood out as one where i think balances the input of a artist because there is someone thinking about what's the color cheers cheers (laughs) they're thinking of these various inputs that go into what the output may look like even if it's a bit randomized whether it be size shapes what I just mentioned the keyword, you know, <laughs> it's like you put in all these factors that and then have some sort of code that spits it out on the canvas or whatever you're building this on. I think of someone like Joshua Davis's work is very, very on key on this for the sense that he codes certain things and then inputs a lot of data, like what colors and, and shapes, et cetera. Cheers. 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 <laughs> oh, I was trying to avoid it. There's an artist behind it but there's also a computer generating it versus the, I drew this in Illustrator. I guess that's computer generated essentially, but it, it feels a little less relying on the computer to generate the final output. I think this is this part of it is really interesting because like if we take the computer generated art and we spit out what is the first auctionable AI generated piece of art, um, what it seems to me is like in other forms of art that we've talked about, like music and architecture and games and stuff, there's a kind of a step of refinement after what the computer um, creates. And I don't know if here there is a step of refinement after the, the AI part. And I wonder like at what part should the human be involved and uh, where do you lose the creativity part if the human's involved only at the beginning? And maybe that's like to Shirley's question, like, is it still art if what ended, there's no human inter- 
a refinement after what the computer gave you i'm curious i'd be curious to know i think it goes back to those i think if you heavily have this input into it and then you're relying on the output i think that's okay uh but there's some creativity going into the input that basically helps generate what's coming out of it i think that's okay but i'm curious what everyone else thinks i mean this is very this is like a more of like a philosophical question of like what is art <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, was just, I was just gonna say that yeah it's like, like what do you define as because if if you were not told that this was a computer that did this you just saw it in a gallery you would think that it's art you'd be like oh that's nice that's a a terrifying painting. <laughs> I feel like we should we should describe this for for people because I, if I saw that, I'd be like, "WTF?" I, so like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know if this is the right description because it doesn't look anything like what I'm picturing, but it reminds me of the Slender Man. Oh, okay. I'm that, not looking. At that. <laughs> I couldn't really see it from where I am, but I am not looking. Like at the, that. I guess it's it's not. This doesn't look anything like what the Slender Man character it's a looks bit like. like. But uh, it, the the um aesthetic of the painting reminds creepy. me of that mm. like terrifying Ooh. game. Or was it a game? Or it was know? a game. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I don't like it. But it, it elicited a very strong emotional response from all of us. <laughs> You know what? Isn't that what art's supposed to do? Is it? So love it or hate it, you got a reaction, yeah, like, and, and art, that could be it. Art can make you comfortable or do, like uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah, and and you know, at the end of the day, it is eliciting conversation. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So is it art? I'm gonna have to go with yes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what most of us accept as the definition of art, I think that is art in the sense that, um, like you know, that's based off of like whatever thousands or hundreds of thousands of you know actual art um and that was kind of like what it learned on and that's what it generated in in the sense like i think that's actually quite poetic because like for thousands of years art and artists are like a lot of artists are actually like mimicking others or being inspired by others or taking in what others have done and in that sense the machine has taken in what others have done it's just that you know what other humans have done and i'm sure sometime soon it'd be what other machines have done and in some ways there's like a good parallel there personally maybe maybe i'm just like um uh concerned for my own survival as a wannabe artist but personally i don't like that as art because i think um to me my personal definition of art is that um i think like what mars said um, that there's a human touch to it, like what Ryan said. Like there is somewhere along the way that a person, like this is theirs and it's that they decided what the inputs are. They decided on what refinements um, should be. Like that the um, machine is just the tool to get to help with their creativity. Whereas I think with that piece, it was that like somebody literally just like, like got the code and ran it and then generated something like there was no not like i might i might not be speaking the truth but like that was my understanding for that piece yeah yeah i think it's like missing that little bit of a human factor the that human goes touch. into it okay that's fair or even what we were talking about before like some art has a story behind it there's some storytelling factor yeah to the it. story something. is a computer generated it <laughs> oh, <laughs> color cheers, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> a computer said so. We've also talked about software and computers. I think of some of the software, obviously like Adobe Creative Suite comes to mind is really helps artists create artwork on the computer. But I'm also curious, there's a lot of amazing 
libraries out there for JavaScript, even like we talk a lot about JavaScript on this podcast, but there's a lot of great libraries that really can help with data visualization, with everything that art related. And I'm curious, what kind of tools do you guys come across uh, that are helpful or even find interesting that you would want to be leveraging in something that you're creating for an artwork piece? One of the things that first excited me about the web and the possibilities of doing uh, artwork in it was Flash, like w- way back, and that that to me was like it opened up this amazing door to like uh, drawing all sorts of very complicated things or animating things that that was quite difficult without it, and um, that was like a, a, an early tool that was that really opened up creativity on the web, and like you saw this huge explosion of. Um, uh, beautiful artwork being put out with it. I started out doing a lot of flash and a lot of it was because I came at it from thinking I wanted to do more design. But then when I started applying the code, that's what really was mind blowing here is I can actually get things to move and do animate just by writing code, not having to like go in there with tweaking on the timeline and everything. So I, I, I agree with you, Stacey. Flash is a pretty cool tool. Maybe not as much now. But. No, yeah, definitely <laughs> more of like a historical marker of for what I see presently. I think a lot of it's, it's interesting because I feel like there are JavaScript libraries that are for designers and artists. And then there's like are libraries that help you make art for software developers, if that makes sense. Um, No, I think there's the plug and play a little bit easier. This is a library that you still have to do a lot of input and coding behind the scenes to actually get it to work. Yeah, so I think one of the ones I hear the most often for like when artists or designers want to get into coding is like the one that gets recommended the most is processing. And then um, the JavaScript equivalent of that is P5.js. Um, which is actually quite exciting because I feel like they're, uh, that foundation is kind of expanding on that like processing P5.js and they now have, I think, ML5.js, I think, yeah, yeah. which is their whole goal is to make machine learning more accessible to artists. I think that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And P5 is really cool. I have played with it a few times. I don't know if I've done anything groundbreaking with it, but was really impressed with it. You can build things really fast with it. It makes like, it makes generative art. So I've, I've never really uh, played with it, but I have a lot of friends that um, use it a lot. And then my impression of it is that it makes um, gener- one generative art really easy and second like animation really easy. Yep. So like basically animated generated art. Um, and so processing, um, and then personally, the thing I use the most before c- getting to this point, it was like D3, but it's not necessarily that D3 helped me art. D3 just helped me like calculate all of, like all of that gnarly, like things for <laughs> all positioning the, all that things, data. all the data things. Um, but I think it's, uh, we don't even need to talk about JavaScript libraries. I think the web itself is so like, you don't need JavaScript for SVG. You no. can just, nope. you can just make SVG shapes and you can like make smiley faces. You can make art with just SVG. Um, and so just understanding SVG, I think is so powerful to making art on the web. And then there's Canvas, which you do need JavaScript for, but it's just uh, vanilla JavaScript. Um, and then recently I've been getting more and more into 3JS and WebGL um, because it just allows me so much more power um, in terms of like how to color. Cheers. Um, Cheers. <laughs> that one was unavoidable actually. Yeah, you, you kind of have yeah. to say it there. And just like, I think it's helped me make um, things that I've always wanted to make in the web possible that I didn't know I could do. Um, I've always wanted to like 
make watercolor sort of effects in the web. Um, and I didn't know that was possible until I found WebGL shaders. Um, so that's the thing that I'm most excited about recently. WebGL shaders are really cool. Yeah. It's not something I've done a lot with. I've just seen some impressive work done with the shaders. It's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. Describe describe a shader. Like, what is that? I think mean? well, surely even saying like the watercolors, it would be literally. It looks like it was done in watercolor. Yeah. It just adds that texture, taking a color and making it <laughs> and making it feel like a watercolor. Cheers. So kind of to add on to that, I think the thing that I'm really excited about it is um, the mental shift that happened when I went from kind of like SVG to WebGL is that with SVG, um, when you create a shape, the way that you fill it. Um, is you usually can, um, the easiest way to fill it is just by a color, right? You, you color the whole shape and maybe. Cheers and cheers and cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. cheers. (laughs) Generative cheers. (laughs) Create a pattern. Now I'm just going to be like really conscious. I can create a pattern and fill that whole shape with it. Um, and the. The mental shift that happened when I started learning WebGL is that the way I can think about it is I create an object or a shape um, and instead of having to, instead of only being able to fill that shape with just one color, I have access to, I know I'm just like trying so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of only having access to that whole shape, you have access to, I think of it as like pixels. So like if you have like, you know, a 10 by 10 um, object or, or a square or something, you have access to every single pixel because WebGL uses the GPU. And so you can calculate pixel by ki- pixel what the fill should be. <laughs> um, and so you can make effects like gradients and that's how you can make uh, effects like watercolor because um, it's, it's you you calculate pixel by pixel and you can use things like noise and um, I'm rambling. Oh now. no, this is no, fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, Perlin noise is another one yeah. that always comes to mind when I think this is fascinating because like a lot of times our creativity is limited by the tools we know exist. Yeah. yeah. Like if you don't even know if you can do something like what you're saying, you have access to all of the pixels, it wouldn't even occur to you to try. It blew my mind when I so I first decided I wanted to try 3JS was because um I I made it a goal to do, I wanted to do a physical installation. And um, I kind of want to touch back on the architecture part a little bit because um, I totally agree with you about like spaces having character and um, being able to immerse in a space that makes you feel a certain way. But um, so I I started doing 3JS because I wanted to be able to think in the third dimension. And what I didn't expect and like what blew my mind was realizing that not only do I get to think in 3D more, um, I can actually think about an object pixel by pixel and filling it in pixel by pixel. And I can make the effects that I've always wanted to on the web because I, I i grew up doing watercolor painting very cool yeah. constraints in the medium that's <laughs> that's a really good point yeah. like if you're limited then it's sort of like with any art form there are constraints within each medium and so by pushing it and then opening doors to like the thing that takes the constraint away and then like what what creativity does that expand upon i want to add one more thing to that about constraints which is um I met an artist who linked me to this uh, article 
And again, I'm horrible with names, but some famous person once said about like computer, like AI um, and art, like, you know, whether art will be taken over by um, AI and whether, you know, there will be no more artists, all of that existential crap. Um, (laughs) 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 From the horse's mouth. There you go. But I thought I thought that person has such a beautiful um, answer to that, which is that um, we as human beings uh, are emo- are feel emotional about art, or inspired by art, or are moved by art because we know that it's human beings on the other side pushing constraints. That they the most beautiful art we come across is that somebody, an artist, a human artist, pushed past a boundary that we previously thought nobody can push past and went beyond that and created something. Um, so be, they broke through that constraint. And I thought that was a really beautiful, that's an, another, another, poetic. yeah, that's another, uh, I don't want computers taking over my future job. <laughs> so, so you don't want a movie like Terminator, but where they make art. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather that. I mean, come on. That's like, that's a lot better than the alternative in that scenario. <laughs> My job just not my life <laughs> yeah Ter- terminator starts going to museums and like <laughs> i would pay to see that <laughs> that's what artists fear like, <laughs> i guess on that note especially surely doing a lot of art what kind of advice would you give other engineers or artists that are wanting to do something with computer to make it computer art play right like that's that's that that was the beginning of the web for me play i didn't necessarily even know what i was doing i didn't have i didn't take a class i was just like what does this do what does this do what if i apply this css property what does that css was a fun one to play with yeah yeah and you you got all these like unexpected results sometimes expected sometimes unexpected and that was like the beauty and super it was so fun and i loved it and that's what really like inspired me to keep going and i think that's that's like a huge i guess piece of advice is just like just jump in and play yeah, especially for like WebGL and 3GS. I, I also played around with it and I will say the learning curve is like pretty high, but there are a lot of tools now. Actually, 3GS, I, there's, this was a pick a few episodes ago. 3GS has an editor that's like kind of a GUI called 3GS.org slash editor. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's really, a, it's incredible. It, it's basically, if you're familiar with Blender or those 3D tools, you can essentially create it with your mouse very easily. And it's a progressive web app. Crazy. That's so cool. That is actually Isn't like mind blowing. It's yeah. mind blowing that they created that. So, well, this may not be advice from someone who does a lot of generated art, but um, I think that one of the things that for me is always super intimidating is just like a lot of the stuff that I love and appreciate is always the finished product, and never realizing that there's a whole process behind that. Um, and for me, like to go back to Stacey's point, like play, they, they didn't get there overnight. Um, that's all you're seeing. Um, and I just constantly have to remind myself, it's like either when creating something that I consider to be art or even just starting on a new project, like there's a, there is a learning curve, but you have to enjoy that in addition to like, what is at the end? Um, and sort of just remembering that there's a lot that goes into what you end up seeing on the, on the, you know, physical or digital canvas. And that's my advice to myself and to everybody else too. The 10,000 hours thing or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes. People that you see that are amazing didn't get there without like, a lot of practice. It's like, don't get discouraged. Like, yeah. Cause yeah, you're, you're, you're looking at their artwork being like, damn, they're amazing. It's like, yeah, but there was also a lot of work to get to that point. Yeah. My friend, my friend Steven is an amazing artist and, uh, 
but he draws every single day, nonstop at all times. Like he'll just be hanging out with you and just be like sketching on the side, like always practicing, always trying to get better. So one of my teachers in school actually just like totally reminded me, Stacy, you saying that he used to draw for DC Comet. He would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and draw for a few hours just every single day. And he was amazing. He mastered the skill like he definitely did. But he didn't stop. It was like he just kept going. And this is like he's probably to this day still waking up at 4 a.m. And that's his routine of like constantly doing this, which is like super, super impressive. And same thing for the one tattoo artist that's doing a lot of work on on me right now. Is he wakes up every morning at 5 a.m. and draws and, and plans out what he's working on and things like that. And I think to me, maybe it is just that grit to continue going and, and, and trying new things and knowing that, yeah, it's not always perfect because you will continue to learn and grow from it. I'm going to I'm just going to say as a late night person, um, that the hopefully the 4 a.m. the 5 a.m. part. Yeah, these are important. maybe not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, not the advice. That's, it's that's like a, what like works best for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but it could be also on the other end. It's like, like these two examples, yeah. they they're gonna be crashing early because what works best for them. I think they've obviously found that early morning works best for yeah. them. And to be honest, I think I used to be the late night person. Now I find I'm actually more productive early in the morning. Mm. So I think that may change over time. But knowing when you're most productive, that's a good time to yeah. do it. Or most creative too. Yeah, It might be over a bottle of whiskey that that might help. <laughs> I mean, it could really help and that's okay. And I'm, I'm really glad that Mars went first because then um, I, I was because because now I know what to say um <laughs> which is which is that like I think you're absolutely right in the sense that like it's so helpful I really enjoy those accounts that like post their daily sketches or daily doodles I've been like following um some Instagram accounts that are like daily webgl shaders um and you can just see that it's just like tiny bite-sized pieces of them like practicing their craft um and this is just like you said like this is almost advice for myself because I've been like going through a lot of insecurity in the sense that like I think when I grew up doing art um I did that almost every day and so I like had a certain amount of technical um skill and then when I went for like eight or nine years um not painting and not drawing on the daily I lost it all and um and then when I every time I tried to get back into it, um, it was just faster to code than it was to draw. Like it was so much more satisfying to just code than it was to draw. And for a while, I thought it was just that I now suck at drawing or I now suck at painting. But it's really just that I lost that daily practice, and now my daily practice is just the coding. That I have to continuously remind myself because I'm just sometimes just so hard on myself to be like whatever like. And, and probably because of what we see every day of like the finished product, I'm like, if my first attempt doesn't look like a finished product, I'm a failure. What I'm trying to remind myself of this last year of trying to do more art is that the beauty about art is that there shouldn't be an expectation that there's... So I, I think of like data visualization versus data art as data visualization is that it's you need to deliver something that like um, is accurate, that like, you know people are going to be able to get insights from it and that's actionable. And so if you're inaccurate, that's misleading and that's, that's not something you can do. But with data art, it's, it just needs to be pretty. It just needs to make you happy. <laughs> like, it just do whatever makes you happy. Like, or if you want art that makes you miserable, like, sure, like, do that too. But like, and maybe that makes that person happy. happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like, there's, there's not supposed to be any, like, what art should be. 
do you do whatever makes you happy you do you you do you yeah. i think that's some good advice <laughs> color outside the line outside the line (laughs) cheers cheers all right at the end of each episode we like to share pics of things that we found interesting we'd like to share with our listeners stacy you want to start it off yes uh all right so i have i have three pics hopefully this isn't too many i've never done three before really i was so inspired by that you know what actually last episode i counted three for you just because you, you talked about the album of Anima yeah. and then also the film. And I was like, that's two different yeah. picks so, and two very good picks. And I'm also shockingly not doing a music pick this Whoa, that I think that might be a first. That might be a first. Talk about coloring outside what? the line. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> All right. So first pick is an artist called Simon Stallenhag. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, it's a Swedish artist. Uh, he does digital paintings uh, focused on stereotypical Swedish countryside environments, but then he combines neo-futuristic sort of like sci-fi stuff into it. Very fascinating. Um, and he uses a Wacom tablet and he tries to emulate kind of real brush strokes um, as, he, as much as he can to give the human element uh, uh, or make it feel like it has a human element. Uh, his stuff is, is fantastic. I, a lot of my wallpapers uh, for my uh, work computer are that. Uh, my second pick is, um, you mentioned jo- Joshua Davis earlier, yeah. so that's my my second pick. Um, so in the late 90s, early 2000s, I came across a site called Once Upon a Forest. Oh, so good. Uh, and he, it's by an artist called Maruto, which was basically like his pseudonym or whatever that he was going by. Um, but it was built in Flash. It was incredibly innovative at the time, and it blew my mind. Um, and it was generative art. So he wrote uh, a lot of the... Uh, see, I'll, I'll read this actually because if you right-click view source, it says I program the brushes, the paints, the strokes, the rules, and the boundaries. However, it is the machine that creates the compositions. The programs draw themselves. I am in a constant state of surprise and discovery because the program may structure compositions that I may never have thought of to execute, or might take me hours to create manually, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, so, check that out. It's kind of like a historical marker of like art on the web. <laughs> And then uh, pick three is uh, Jen Schiffer. Um, you might know her just from kind of some of her really funny Medium blog posts about tech. She uh, she is uh, works at uh, um, Glitch, doing a lot of cool stuff there. Um, but she makes pixel art, um, and she's got a whole site that she created called Make8BitArt.com, which is really fun. Yes. So she does a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, and I like that it's just art and code kind of combined. You can literally color in the individual pixels. Wow. That's pretty cool. Cheers. Cheers. All right, Mars, what do you have for us? Oh, man. Um, I have two. One is an oldie but a goodie, um, a single div. Uh, we were talking earlier about sort of different tools that exist on the web um, that are allow for creativity. And I think CSS is actually a really powerful one these days with some of the like new language features. Um, so that's a really good site for anyone who hasn't heard of it before. It's just, um, you know, they take a literally a single div and then they program all of these cool little illustrations uh, pr- purely in CSS. Um, my second one is actually, it's somewhat relevant to the conversation, and it's more like raising awareness for other people out there who might have this. It's called Aphantasia. Um, and I want to bring it up because I just found out I had this. I didn't even know it was a condition, but I always thought it limited my creativity. And it's basically when your mind's eye is blind. And so you are unable to voluntarily visualize imagery. 
Um, and for a lot of times, I, I always think that art, you know, you have an idea in your head, you have a picture in your head, and you can put that to some sort of physical form. And without the ability to create that picture, how do you create? And I think that's actually really fascinating now that I know that this is a personal limitation as well as like a limitation for other people out there. So that's always a really interesting conversation. Like, how do you create when you can't see anything or create in your mind first and then put it to, you know, metaphorical paper? Have you researched other like... Uh, full-time artists that actually have this but still are able to uh, output like, I haven't really yet this is this is so new this is like when I found this I thought it was mind-blowing I was like this is a thing no wonder when you meditate and people tell you to visualize a beach I'm like I just can't visualize a beach <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me and how are you um, supposed to meditate at that yeah, point yeah well I mean that was one of the most frustrating contexts I've encountered it in as well as other parts of my life but knowing knowing that it's there is really interesting and to begin to talk to people who also have it and like how do you compensate for it in different ways in your life and programming and, and stuff like that. Anyway, so just bringing it up in case anyone out there is like, oh, yeah, I don't have a mind's eye either, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so starting to pay attention to that type of stuff. Shirley, what do you have for us? Yeah, so um, I I think I always bring three because I just don't get to be on here that much. So I'm like, like <laughs> take I, all I of them. loaded them take, all up. Take all of my regs. <laughs> um, so the very first one I have is actually, and I cheat because I think my second one is like three different people. So... um. <laughs> good then you get even like six there yeah um so my first is um a uh tokyo-based uh i don't even know what they call themselves but um a creative agency i don't know um they're called team lab i think they're pretty internationally recognized now but um how do i even describe them they are a lot of their work is kind of like installations, immersive, interactive installations. Um, and so this goes back a little bit to what Mars was talking about, about architecture. And, um, and uh, they're, they're the reason why I became so enthralled with physical in installations. Um, but uh, they have this particular piece. They have a lot of different um, exhibits and installations, but they have this particular piece called Crystal Universe. Um, and if I break it down in the driest technological way is that it's strings and strings, like vertical strings of LEDs. Um, and they're all programmed such that they look like stars in a universe. Um, and... Um, it's it's this room that you walk into, and when you're in the middle of it, um, you can pull up their website, and um, they have all of these quote unquote different like six or seven quote unquote different universes that you can like click and swipe up, and that generates a bunch of different patterns, um, and it you feel like you're in the middle of space, um, and there's these lights going off around you. It was. I think that was a moment that I was like, I didn't know that human creativity could be so, like, it that, you know... Um, Took you to another place. Yeah. And then it was so funny because I went back there uh, with Naughty and nobody around us realized that there was, like, this, um, this like... UI that you can like control the the lights and the patterns and so we're like standing in the middle just like controlling it and then like every time we like put something up new everybody else around us was like whoa <laughs> and I was like oh my god if I ever believed in a divine individual this would be what they feel like <laughs> so that's my 
That's my first rec. Um, I know that they had a temporary exhibit in um, the Pace Gallery in Palo Alto like a few years ago. Um, but they have like a few different permanent exhibits as well as like a few really incredible temporary ones. Um, there's two in Tokyo right now until the Tokyo Olympics. Um, and if you ever are in a you know city that has their exhibit i highly it was mind-blowing and life-changing and like i i just want to go and do what they do now um because i feel like their work just like not only is it something it's so powerful to have an artwork immerse you but also bring people together in this like shared joy that was a really long first pick (laughs) um and the second pick um is uh a um bunch of people um that really inspire me um in terms of uh creative code um and the first person is um her name is Misaki Nakano um and she's at m i s a k i underscore m o f u on Twitter um and she doesn't post that often but whenever she does like it always just blows my mind um. And it's, it's, she does primarily WebGL and she's, she, she's part of the reason why, um, I got into WebGL because I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do like all of that. And now that I like understand a little bit about 3JS and WebGL, I'm like still, like it still blows my mind what she does. So she's my first, um, person pick. And, um, second person is, uh, Matt DeLaurier is, I think, her his last name. Um, his handle is, I think, at Matt underscore D-E-S-L on Twitter. Um, he uh, is another, like, incredible generative artist, WebGL, like, super inspiring. Um, and the final person is uh, Tyler Hobbs. Um, and I think uh, his most, most of his work is all over on Instagram. And he's just another brilliant... Um, generative artist um that i get a lot of inspiration from okay now my third and final pick your 17th pick (laughs) yes yes i just need to i don't know when you're gonna invite me back i don't know when i can come back here so i'm just cramming it all in um final pick is um matt's uh front end masters uh workshop on creative coding um basically i learned everything i'm like I, I I learned everything to start for 3GS and WebGL from that. And then after that, it was just, I think, a lot of Googling. Um, but I think it set me up really well um, to learn. Because like, like Augustus said, like there's a certain amount of learning curve for 3GS and WebGL. And it's it's like a little bit of a mind shift um, from like our day-to-day front-end coding. Um, and I think Matt did quite a good job of setting us up um, and introducing us to that. So that's my 17 picks. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. There's only like five. But yeah. Every pick was colorful. Ooh, hey. cheers. Thank you. Cheers. cheers. Augustus, what do you have for us? Great question. Um, yeah, I have two picks. One is um, somebody named Bees and Bombs. Uh, I believe his name is Dave. Uh, he has a Twitter account and he also posts like these like cute gifs of like, when I think of generative art, I think I, I I just immediately thought of him. So I think just check it out. These are oddly satisfying. Yeah, very satisfying and mesmerizing is how I would describe it. Is that called like perfect loops? Ooh, I like yeah, it. Like oh, those are also uh, cool when you can get the perfect, perfect loops. yeah. Perfect yeah. loops. Yeah. Those make me very happy. Yeah, and then the, my second pick is this uh, framework library uh, called ZDog, which 
um, and the website is zzz.dog. And I was like, wow, this That's is brilliant. This is like a really gimmicky uh, um, framework. What is it? And it's actually uh, like a 3D um, library, but they use SVG and Canvas. And so I, I kind of was looking for 3D libraries and I landed on 3JS, but I was looking for more. And this one came up and it's a lot simpler. So if you just needed to do very simple 3D art, I think this is like a pretty good candidate. So. Um, maybe check it out. I feel out. like with oh. the cool name like that too, you, you kind of want to try it. <laughs> it's out. literally. Yeah. I also love that some of the examples are at zzz dog. Yeah, like, literally, that's, that's the one website. Of, that's one of their websites. It's great. Yeah, and also I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, why do I do what I do? Why can't I? Why don't I just go and do Kirby. this? Kirby. All right, I have. I don't even know how many picks I have. I feel like I need to have more. One twenty-seven. Was, one was definitely stolen by Stacy. Since I, oh. it's okay because I was thinking for this episode, Joshua Davis just always comes to mind when I think of computer-generated art. But I'll let Stacy have that one. It's a good <laughs> pick. You should definitely go check out his artwork. And then I thought of, hey, well, we're also drinking some good whiskey. It's a good pick for some creative juices. Uh, <laughs> wow, uh, the, so funny. Generate yeah, ideas. You generate some. Nice ideas. We're drinking Japanese whiskey, the Nika Cafe Grain Whiskey. It's really delicious. So I'm going to take that as one of my picks. It's one of my favorite Japanese whiskeys. And then there's an app. If you're giving a conference talk or giving any sort of talk where you want to avoid the ums, the ahs, the filler words, there's an app called Like So. And Ooh. it's a good way to practice. You actually record yourself as you're talking and it will count your filler words and let you know of all it's it sucks in the (laughs) sense that you will you get that feedback but it also really can help because it like helps identify these for you which partly getting better at is just being more aware of your filler words so definitely recommend that one if you're wanting to avoid those damn ums and ahs (laughs) So before we end the episode, I want to thank Shirley for joining us. It is always ha- a pleasure to have you Yay. back. Um, I, I look forward to the stream of picks that you will save up for the next episode. <laughs> so that will be really good. All the more reason to have you back. It's it's positively correlated to how long it takes for you to invite me back. Ooh. <laughs> all right. All right. So if it's a really long time, it might be 17. Yeah. Or, yeah okay. But if you invite me back next month, it would just be like two. One or two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Half, half a pick. <laughs> Where can people get in touch with you first thank you so much again for having me back it's always super fun i've been looking forward to this um i've been counting down the days um i have um and are we uh, paying you to say that in whiskey yeah in whiskey oh in whiskey whiskey. (laughs) but if you want to put like some some like you know like uh well i guess we don't use cash these days so if you want to use venmo cash and digital paypal yeah bitcoin bitcoin can i pay you in a computer generated artwork that costs four hundred thirty-two thousand dollars? oh yeah if you can afford that mars yeah Yeah. no but (laughs) (laughs) no but uh it's always such a good time so all of my handles on the web are uh, at SXYWU on Twitter, uh, my personal website, dot com, uh, Instagram. I used to have a Twitch and YouTube. Used to. I'm, th- I'm thinking about bringing it back. I keep telling myself I'll bring it back. It's fun to live code, but also life is just really hectic. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I can't type when it's live. Oh. Yeah. Stressful. Yeah. Stressful. I think you get over that in like 30 minutes though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good you to just know. Yeah. Drink some whiskey. It'll be okay. Oh, perfect. My very first one, I had a beer and then that was not a good. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> that was not a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Nuggets from Truly. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour Podcast on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. And you can follow us on Twitter at Front End HH. Any last words of wise wisdom from Shirley? Color. Cheers. 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 <laughs>